A Call to Righteousness, from the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Mike Yee. Well, good morning. Good morning, Metro Church family. Hope you are doing well today. Uh, <clears throat> I'm very, very excited to be here with you today. Um, I've had a lot on my mind. I've had a lot on my heart and my soul. And I think that this particular message that I'm about to preach to you really spoke to me. So this really actually just comes out of my own devotional and my own message, uh, the Holy Spirit's message to me. We're going to, I'm going to take you through, a, I'm, going to, I'm going to forewarn you right now. We're going to go through a whirlwind of emotions, okay? We're going to learn a little bit, we're going to be inspired that way. We're going to laugh a little bit. We're also going to feel a little bit guilty today. So I want you to, I, I just, I'm just forewarning you. We're going to feel a little guilty today. But hopefully, at the end of the day, by the end of the message, that you will come away, we will all come away with the feeling that we have felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit today. But before we jump into the message, I want to acknowledge some of you who are suffering in our congregation. First, I want to I want to acknowledge those of you who are suffering from COVID or any other ailment during the season. Perhaps it is you. Perhaps it's, it is, it's a family member or a friend or a coworker. And I want you to know that we see you. Please know that our love and concern and our hearts are with you during this difficult season. I also want to acknowledge those of you who have recently lost someone and are grieving. When we talked about mourning with those who mourn a couple of weeks ago, my mind went straight to you. We grieve with you. We are sad with you. And have not stopped praying for you. We love you, family. All right, let's pray before we open up the word of God. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for this moment. We praise you and we thank you for being our spiritual father and our spiritual chef that will serve us up spiritual food that we will be sustained by. So Lord, bless these lips, this body, this spirit, and let it be a conduit. Let it be used by you to reach the souls of those who are watching today. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You're going to hear that verse a lot today. I want you to remember that. Drill that into your head today. It's short enough where you should be able to say it just from memory by the end of today. Blessed are those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Many people in the United States celebrated the inauguration of Joe Biden this week. I was among them. There are many, there are many among us who did. They did a great job with the celebration. I, I really think that it was a worthy celebration for the occasion. But not everyone in America was celebrating this week. For those of you who supported Trump, 
it wasn't so much a celebration, it was more like a death to you. For some of you in our church, I get it. Four years ago, I remember when President Trump climbed the steps of the White House, I remember having a myriad of negative emotions that filled my spirit. I remember feeling a sense of dread, of doom, a sense of disbelief, and asking myself rhetorical questions like, how the heck did we get here? What's going, what's going to happen to our country? I remember being unable to sleep at night because I had dreams about different scenarios where the decisions made by our new president would lead us to our downfall, our way of life. I remember dreaming about what it would look like if I uprooted my family and immigrated to Canada. I want to acknowledge one more population in our church that has suffered recently. Those of you who went through the pain of watching the other guy, the guy you didn't vote for, climb the steps of the White House this week. I understand that the candidate you voted for carries with him your deep convictions and beliefs about the American governmental system. I acknowledge that this season has been a difficult one for you, and I want you to know that we see you. I want you to know that. I think that sometimes we forget that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, loved by Christ, and that fact alone supersedes any political affiliation or leaning. Just know that though some of you some of us disagree with you. It doesn't change our love for you. You are just as much a part of our church family as anybody else. We in this church have sharply conflicting experiences to the same events because depending on which side you're on, each candidate carries with them what you believe are the right values, the right way, the right state of mind. And depending on what you believe, you believe that Joe Biden will either bring blessedness to America, or death to America. But though we are polarized in that way, I see a middle ground. We may have very different definitions of what it means to be right. But though our definitions are different, this hunger that we all share for rightness or righteousness, we have in common. And this is a biblical principle. I want to spend today further getting to know this hunger by answering three simple questions today. First, what is righteousness? Why do I want it? How do I get it? What is righteousness? Why do I want it? How can I get it? So question number one, what is righteousness? Initially, when we hear the word righteousness, we immediately associate it with rules, regulations, and laws. In the Christian context, we immediately think of someone who never sins, who follows every word of Scripture to a T, never watches anything crude or unhealthy, doesn't drink, and prays all the time. And while there is certainly an element of truth in this image of righteousness, the image would be far too small to encapsulate the meaning of the word. In scripture, righteousness is actually expressed in two contexts. Righteousness is both a position and a practice. Righteousness is both a relationship 
and a state of being. That is going to be the crux of the message today. There are two aspects of righteousness that we need to be concerned about. The first is that uh, righteousness is a position. It is a relationship. In Genesis 15, God and Abram are having a conversation about his legacy. And Abram expresses his concern that though God has promised him descendants as numerous as the stars, he had no sons to pass off his legacy to. And to further compound the problem, Abram is getting advanced in his years and his ability to have children is waning. Listen to what God has to say in response. Genesis 15 says, He, God, took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Trust is a major attribute of a close relationship. When someone is your close friend or ally, you trust them with yourself. You trust them to handle you gently, to be sensitive to you, and to even make you aware of some hard truths from time to time. When you fully trust your friend and your friend fully trusts you, you have a right relationship with them. You are in a position of righteousness. Though the odds were stacked against him, Abram believed and trusted that God was what God was saying to him. And because he trusted God, God calls that righteousness. Abram was in a position of relational righteousness with God. Now this concept, my friends, is extremely important to us Christians because our entire faith hinges upon this one concept. We believe that human beings screwed up their relationship with God. We sinned against him and continue to sin against him. And it breaks our relationship. Our relationship with God is no longer righteous. But because Jesus Christ took the punishment for our sin, we can enjoy a right relationship with God. We can call him our father, and he calls us his children because we have a right relationship with him. Righteousness is a position. It denotes relationship. And this relationship with God requires no effort on our part. God offers anyone, anyone who wants a relationship with him, a righteous relationship with him, he offers it to them free of charge. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be clean. You don't have to want it. You don't have to hunger for you, you, you don't need. You only need to want it. You only need to hunger for it, to thirst for it. This is free. It requires no effort or payment on our part. In Scripture, righteousness is expressed as a position, a relationship. But the second part of righteousness is that it's also expressed as a state of being. Righteousness is a state of of being. It is a relationship, it is a position, but it also is a state of being. News flash. God is righteous. He is perfect in love, perfect in life, 
he displays no immorality, no impurity, no greed. He was perfect in his relationships. If you look at the life of Jesus, whom we believe as God come down to earth, he had great relationships the entire way. Matter of fact, so many people loved him. And, but here's the thing. Here's, here's how cool Jesus, is, Jesus was. And even though those same very people who loved him turned on him and put him on a cross, he held no bitterness in his heart. God's state of being, God's person, is a perpetual state of righteousness, of rightness. But not only that, Jesus cared for himself as much as he cares for others. If you look at the life of Jesus who is God on earth, he is a God who maintains the perfect work-life balance. No matter how busy he was with ministry, he always found time to go off into the mountains with his disciples and pray. In other words, he lived the right way. Because we have been made righteous through Jesus and therefore we are children of God, we are called to be like him, to imitate him. Ephesians 5 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. We are called to imitate God. Though we will never reach his level of righteousness, we are called to reach for that standard of righteousness. But there is a caveat, folks. While a right relationship with God is free and requires nothing more than a hunger and a desire, everything else has a cost. Righteousness as a position with God is free, but righteousness as a state of being is not free and requires quite a bit more than just a hungering for it. Just because you want to be righteous doesn't mean it's just given to you. It requires sacrifice, effort, and discipline. Righteousness in this regard is earned. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst. They're interesting words, aren't they? Hunger and thirst are action-provoking words. Hunger and thirst describe a state of being that is uncomfortable. And they move you to satiate, to satisfy that hunger. To satiate that hunger, you must move, put forth energy and effort. The satisfaction of hunger is not given, it is earned. And as children of a righteous God, we are called to become more like our righteous Father every day. I like how 1 Timothy calls us Christians to action in this regard. But you, man of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness. But you, man or woman of God, pursue righteousness. Fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. In other words, go get it. Righteousness is not just handed to you. You gotta go get it. Righteousness has no sympathy for wishful thinking. Righteousness gives you no points for excuses. Righteousness is a state of being we are called to as Christians. If righteousness as a relationship informs us of our position as children of righteousness, we should act 
like children of righteousness. It requires death to ourselves, death to our vices, death to the frivolous things of our life. Christ calls us to a right state of being. He calls us to a state of righteousness. Which brings us to our next question. Why do I want this? If righteousness requires that I need to die to myself, why do I want this? Why would I invite pain purposefully into my life? I like the way I live my life. Why should I subject myself to self-sacrifice pain and give effort to the things that make me die to myself? Why do I want righteousness? Well, the answer is right there in that verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness is blessedness. Righteousness is being filled with blessing. Righteousness is being filled with blessings that you earn. Something that I really love about the Beatitudes is that in a lot of them, Jesus isn't so much making a proclamation, but simply expressing the natural order of things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you put that another way, if you pursue righteousness, you gain righteousness. That is the natural order of things. If you strive to satisfy your hunger for a more righteous you, you will gain it. You will be filled. You will be blessed. If you pursue better relationships, then you will be blessed with better relationships. That's the natural order of things. If you pursue a better, healthier body, then you will be blessed with a better, healthier body. That's the natural order of things. When you pursue righteousness, you will gain righteousness. We talk a lot about emotional and mental health here at this church, and everything we talk about is to drive you towards righteousness in these areas. Soul care, emotionally healthy spirituality are all methods in which to pursue righteousness, to imitate, to become more emotionally and mentally like God. But one area that I, don't, I feel like we don't talk about as much is the physical aspect of our faith. Being like God is not only emotional and mental. Friends, I want to touch upon something very sensitive, okay? I want to level with you for a second. And I hope you know that I love you. I respect you. And I want to be as sensitive as I possibly can, but let's all admit something to ourselves. Since COVID has started, a lot of us have let ourselves go a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? We let ourselves go a little bit. Our bodies are not quite as righteous as they used to be. We're wearing a lot of black. Our bodies are a little less glorious. And, okay, so I'm not saying this to you as a judge, but as a fellow sinner. And while many of you have gained a COVID-19, 
Yours truly has gained a COVID-25. Now I know what you're thinking. Pastor Mike, whatever. You look the same. Well, you know what? I look the same because I am blessed. I'm blessed with good proportioning. I got good DNA. I got good genes. This heavenly body that you think you see right now on stage is actually a combination of the right clothing, good lighting, good camera angles, and good genetics. I, I, as well as a lot of you, are looking a little less heavenly right now. I look a little more like hell. Now, I'm not suggesting, brothers and sisters, that we all have to look a certain way. I'm not advocating for beauty standards. That's terrible. But all that being said, let's be honest with ourselves. We could all be a little healthier in our bodies, a little more righteous towards us. Let me switch the mood just a little bit for just a second. And forgive me if I get a little preachy in this section, but it's something that I really feel like I need to say to some of you. To those of you who are sinning and are waiting for the right time to get serious and stop, maybe this is your moment to do it. And I very intentionally didn't say struggle with sin because many of you stopped struggling a long time ago. Struggling means you're putting forth genuine effort to get over the hill. And many of you have stopped putting forth the effort. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel righteous when you look at pornography? Do you feel like a heavenly body before and after you indulge? Do you feel like you're getting closer to God? Those of you who are workaholics, do you feel blessed when you look at your children's faces after you spent the last 48 hours straight working and not spending any time with them? Do you feel supremely happy when you see the way your spouse looks at you after you've broken yet another promise because of work? What about those of you who have been harboring bitterness and grudges in your relationships? Do you feel like a heavenly body when you feel that negativity in your soul? Do you feel blessed knowing that your relationship is not at peace? Brothers and sisters, I'm not intentionally trying to make you feel guilty or bad about yourselves. Again, I say this to you not as a judge, but a fellow sinner. I'm preaching just as much to myself as I am to you. But I know that you feel that guilt rising up in your gut right now as we speak. And that feeling is the Holy Spirit's conviction. 2 Corinthians 7 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Essentially, Paul is saying, the guilt that you're feeling right now, this is good guilt. Guilt that you shouldn't feel sorry about. Because this is the kind of guilt that pushes you towards righteousness. It's not a good feeling, but it certainly is a productive feeling. Use this feeling that you're feeling right now in this moment to make some changes. 
Use it to make the decision to make some changes in your life today to become more righteous in that regard. But easier said than done, right? I get it. We want the blessedness, but we don't have the capacity to go get it. We want to be filled with blessedness, but we don't do it. Why is it? A number of years ago, when I was still a single man, a missionary from Haiti came to our church to talk to us about the work that God was doing out in Port-au-Prince. And during that time, he handed out these individually uh, packaged cookies that we could snack on while he talked. And as he was talking, I took the cookie out of the wrapper and I took a bite. It was absolutely the worst cookie I had ever eaten. There was no sweetness. It was this crumbly mess, and it tasted like dirt. As I looked around, I saw that literally everyone had the same grimaced look on their face on how disgusting it was. Many actually didn't even hide their disdain and spit it out in dramatic fashion. The missionary saw what was happening, and he smiled. Because, turns out, it was in his plan all along. You see, the reason why the cookies tasted like dirt was because they were made of dirt. This missionary from Haiti fed us dirt. And he was laughing at us. But of course, there was a point to this prank. Because apparently... In poor third world countries where food is scarce, the people take dirt, mix it with water, some shortening, fat, or any other binding substance they can get their hands on and make these little cookies and fill their bellies with them. And their bellies get full and their bodies are fooled into thinking that it's satiation. He further explained that the the people eat these cookies so often that some have even gotten to a point where they enjoy them. But because dirt is not food and offers no nutrition, the people were dying. The people of Haiti were dying from starvation with full stomachs. Doesn't that perfectly describe our lives? We are dying from starvation with full stomachs. Our lives are unbearably full. We've got so much going on. And yet we complain we don't feel spiritual. We complain we don't feel close to God. We complain we are not growing in self and in Christ. Journaling is good, but who's got time for that? Working out is great. No argument. I don't have time. Spending time on my relationships is a great thing, but I don't have that kind of time to spend with family and friends. We act like COVID is the reason why we can't go to the gym and work out. But come on, man. You weren't going to the gym before COVID. We are dying from spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical starvation with full schedules. When we stop putting in the effort to be more righteous every single day, the natural order of things is to be hungry. 
If you stay hungry for too long, you will die. Your body will die. Your mental and emotional state will die. And yes, even your faith will die. So what do we need to do? Did I scare you enough? Cool. Let me, let me lift up our mood just a little bit. What do we need to do then? How do we start this journey towards righteousness and start filling our lives with blessing and, and rather filling our lives with blessing and not waiting for our spiritual death? First, number one, you got to put in the effort. You got to make the decision to put in the effort. Remember, righteousness as a state of being is earned. It is not given. And in whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you to work towards, you will have to make a plan and conquer it. This is a great season to start, too. We just celebrated a new year. We just inaugurated a new president. A lot of us went through soul care. Our hearts and minds are already in that mode. Effort is a matter of decision and discipline. This is it. Let this be the moment. So number one, put in the effort. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Jesus speaks to you? Not, you, not just when you pray, but moment to moment. Do you know that that little voice in your head that tells you to get off the couch and go for a walk is Jesus? Do you know that that big voice that, you, that speaks Bible verses and worship song lyrics in your mind as you log into a pornographic website is Jesus? When you hear these voices, you have a decision to make. And the decision must always be, yes, Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes and obey. He only wants blessed things for you. He wants to fill you with blessing. Listen to him. Put in the effort. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And finally, get others involved. Now, contrary to American beliefs and values, you get zero extra credit for achieving righteousness on your own. You don't feel any more of a sense of accomplishment. You don't gain anything from doing things solo. As a matter of fact, you actually rob yourself of the experience of community when you try to do things by yourself. God created human beings to need each other, to want each other. It is in our unity as human beings that we fulfill our entire beings. It is in our attachments to each other that we find our strength. So, whether you're trying to conquer a sin or working out, don't do it by yourself. Grab a friend, a colleague, a coworker. Grab a pastor. If you're trying to conquer a sin and you're fighting with shame, grab a trusted friend. Figure it out together. Even if you fail, which you won't, let it be that you go down in flames together. Transformation is possible. It just takes teamwork. To end this off, I just want to say, we spend a lot of time on this pulpit talking about the sins of our fathers and how that's messed us up. And it's a, it's a, it's a part of our DNA as a church to share our brokenness and the brokenness of our families. But let us not forget that our parents also did some really wonderful things. And I want to call attention to something my dad did 
when he was younger that I am still inspired by. Interestingly enough, today is his birthday. So it's quite fitting that I tell this story. When I was a toddler, my dad was a chain smoker and a drinker. And he was addicted, especially to cigarettes. I remember when we were driving in our station wagon, sometimes he, the cravings would get so bad that he, and he would run out of cigarettes and he would open the ashtray and start pulling out the butts that are already done in there. And he would light them up one by one, trying to suck out one last drag from each one of those butts. And he would do this while he was driving with me in the front seat because that's how we did things back in the day. Baby sat in the front seat. And if memory serves me correctly, I think we may have gotten into a really bad car accident. And this was because he was using two hands to light up these butts and not keeping his hands on the steering wheel. And so one day, as he was sitting on the couch and smoking his cigarettes, filling up the room, he was watching me play on the table in front of him. I think I may have been like three years old or something. But apparently, I looked at my dad smoking his cigarettes, and I saw a pen on the table. And I grabbed the pen and put it to my lips and started puffing away at it. It was in that moment that my daddy heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. I have no idea what he said to him, but the very next day, he made a decision to quit. He was done. He realized that if he doesn't get right, he's going to pass that addiction down to me, his son, so I wouldn't be right. So he did something crazy. My dad grabbed a pitcher of water, his Bible, and locked himself in his room for an entire week. I didn't see him at all except when he came out to use the bathroom. He fasted the entire week. He slept in there. He never came out. When Moses came off of Mount Sinai with two, two, uh, two tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them, the Bible says that his face was radiant, shining, because he had spoken with the Lord. And in the same way, when my daddy came out of that room, he was skinnier, looking tired, but he was radiant. I never saw him from that moment take another drag from a cigarette ever again. My dad was transformed. He was transformed into a much greater, much more glorious, much more righteous version of himself. He earned the blessings of being free of an addiction. And not only did he earn those blessings and, and he enjoyed those blessings, those blessings overflowed as things tend to do when you're in Christ. Not only did he enjoy the blessings of being free of an addiction, I, his son, currently still enjoy the overflow of those blessings by not being addicted myself. Metro. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Put in the effort. Let the Holy Spirit be your motivator and involve other people. And let this be the time where you make the decision to put in the effort 
to satiate your hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord, you've convicted us all today. We know that we are righteous in relationship with you because of Jesus. And we did nothing to earn that. But now that we are your children, Lord, now that we are your children, it is a natural thing for children to want to be like their father. Lord, we want to be righteous like you. And God, in whatever ways that you inspired those who are watching today, God, will you allow your Holy Spirit to help us take that first step, whatever that looks like for them. Jesus, we thank you for your blessedness. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the spiritual meal we've just been served up. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We've got a couple of next steps that you, that, uh, you can actually find in your app. If you open up your apps, there should be, there should be um, next steps in your little communication card section. And the first next step is, I want to talk to someone about a relationship with Christ. Now, if you are unsure about your standing with Christ, with God, if you do not know about this position that you have with God, then go ahead and check off that box. One of our pastors will get with you and will explain things to you. We'll have some conversations about it. You know, and this, this, this is not just to people who have, ne- who have never heard about Christ before. They, those of you who have been going to church for a while and perhaps you've fallen out of relationship or you haven't really put forth the effort, maybe that's, that's you. If that's you, go ahead and check off that box too. <laughs> Number two, I felt the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and I'm pledging to make the efforts to transform my life accordingly. There's no follow-up to this for me. You know, this is for you. If you made that decision today to say yes to the Holy, Holy Spirit, if you said yes to whatever Jesus is pushing you towards today, check off that box and let that be your commitment today. Third, I'm sick of trying to transform on my own. Please pair me up with someone to make this journey with. If you go and check off that box, you know, I'm going to have all of those come to me and I'm going to see if I can pair you guys up. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but we'll see. But go ahead and check off that box and I'll, I'll pair you up with someone else. And then you guys can start the journey of making that transformation together. And finally, I will log into emetro.org slash pray and receive prayer today. Everything starts with prayer, folks. And if you need someone to pray with, log into this. And there will be a pastor, an elder, or a volunteer waiting to pray with you.